Hey everybody, I'm Tim Whitaker, along with Rob McMichael and Jordan Renault. This is our podcast, Coffee, Theology, and Jesus. Our purpose for this podcast is to discuss this messy, difficult, and amazing thing we call the Christian faith. As Christians, we are encouraged and challenged constantly to see what the Bible teaches us about who Jesus was and how he lived and how we can better represent his message every day. Join us each episode as we explore how this relationship with Jesus affects everything from politics and religion to relationships and theology. Now that you know a little more about us, let's get into this week's episode. This is episode number 53, and this week, Tim and Jordan have Sharon Bird on to discuss grief. This is one of those topics that is a part of the human experience that even the Lord himself displayed at times. Think of Jesus weeping at the tomb of Lazarus in John 11. Dealing with grief is different for everyone, so we brought on Sharon to discuss her recent and still current season of grief in the passing of her mom due to cancer. Tim and Jordan discuss her grief, how God helps in these times, and how a church community should support someone grieving. We hope this helps you in a difficult season of life. Let's join in this discussion for this week. Welcome, everyone, to the Coffee, Theology, and Jesus podcast. I am your host, Tim Whitaker, joined with my co-host, Jordan Renault. What's up? And my co-host, Rob Michael. Just kidding. Cricket. Rob, Rob's not here. <laughs> but we do have with us Sharon Bird, our guest for the evening. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. Your voice is, uh, it sounds a lot better than Rob's, so I think we'll, we'll call this a permanent switch. Rob sounds terrible. I'm just going to get just like that. <laughs> hey, Rob, I know you're listening. Uh, we had a talk and uh, your services are no longer needed. So um, just kidding. But yeah, thanks for coming on, Sharon. I really appreciate it. Um, we were going to discuss Avengers Endgame for a few minutes because I've talked about this on the podcast in the past that I couldn't wait for Endgame to happen, that I bought 24 tickets on opening day. What did you sell? What did you end up doing with all those tickets? They all, they were, Jordan. You gave them to friends or you sat in? Did you scalp them? At at 7.45 a.m., tickets went on sale. At 7.45 and 30 seconds, I bought 24 tickets. And by the evening, by 7 p.m. that evening, they were all gone and accounted for. So 24 tickets came and went. So, yeah, we had a great time. We saw the movie, (laughs) but Sharon has not seen Mm, the movie yet. So we can't discuss it. I went on Monday and I just walked up into the theater bought two tickets and went and saw the movie <laughs> you're no real fan you should have been the opening night not anymore the people no. <laughs> so yeah. I, we will not discuss the movie um just go see it sharon are you even a marvel fan have you seen a lot of the marvel movies oh gosh are you guys gonna let me stay on the podcast if i say no <laughs> <laughs> nope <laughs> all right and this concludes this episode <laughs> we're, like, we're like we're like no you're fine but really we're hiding inside that we're we're super nerdy and we're like Arr. no all we have to do is we'll we'll just censor out all of her lines it's just one big beat <laughs> <laughs> i like oh i feel like i'm gonna get like tortured by the true fans but i like i like superhero movies i <laughs> i can't say that i am like i know everything that's going on i know i'm the worst <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that yeah so have you seen any of them have you seen all of them i've seen i mean i've seen here and there i mean i don't know which you know 
I don't know which ones are Marvel and which ones are the other thing. Oh boy. <laughs> I know. No, that's what I said. I, I'm going to get roasted. Oh my God. <laughs> Feel free to roast me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, anyway, at some point I recommend paying, paying your dues, seeing the movies and yeah. being amazing. That's all I can say for the sake of everyone out there. Oh, yeah, I'll definitely see it. For it sure. was a great movie. So, um, I mean, do you, are, are you a chick flick person? Do you like, you know? You know, I'm not comics? a huge movie person, to be honest. It's it's really bad. I know. I, I think I, I'm going to like disqualify myself from the podcast. Well, uh, this is not a movie podcast, so you're yeah, all right. You're yeah, right. yeah, yeah. No, I'm more of a show person. I like shows. I like <laughs> like series. Um, but I do, I, I do get around to the movies every once in a while. It's just not as frequent as... I think the general population. <laughs> Sarah and I started uh, rewatching Breaking Bad again, oh, and we're great. really, yeah, we're really enjoying it again for the second time. It's it's a great show. That I've is not a great seen show. that one. Oh, uh, it's Sorry, good, man. Guys. It's a, I mean, it's about a guy who sells meth for his family, but I know what it's about. It's for a good cause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's for a good cause. Yeah, and it's like he has cancer, me. right, and he's dying. Just kidding. Something like that, but way more involved, obviously. But yeah, it's, it's a great show. It does start off slow, though. It's it start, and I'm not a big fan of like slow starting TV shows. But if you can get through the first season, it kind of picks up, and I think it's really worth it. What I did hear about that show is the uh, the pilot screenplay was one of the top five most like bid on pilot episodes in like TV history. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's up there with like Sopranos and like some other like big ones. Yeah. So a lot of people knew it was going to be a hit from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's worth watching. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I I tend, Sharon. At least for me, I can't do. I mean, in my head, I want to watch a lot of movies, but but the idea of committing like two hours of of my day exactly. to a movie when I can mm-hmm. watch that's four episodes of The Office. Exactly. More bang for your <laughs> buck, in my opinion. <laughs> it's really it's like every like the office is currency like <laughs> yes, we so have true. to do the dishes that's like one episode yes all right uh <laughs> everything so time is now office episodes yes that's that's true whenever I, i'm cleaning the house the office is always on um, <laughs> over junk tv like i've been really into this is so embarrassing to even oh, say no. my 600 pound life <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. It is the ultimate. Oh no! TV, but I'm just. We need an on, intervention. Well, I'm hooked on okay. their transformation, like how they start off, and then <laughs> how the doc, doctor now he's the man. I'm like, this guy is he's freaking awesome. I, it's I know, I know it's so embarrassing to even say, but it's mm. it's a reality for yeah, me. You shouldn't have said it. <laughs> I'm on I'm on the stairs up at the gym, just watching this show, like. Things. What's gonna happen to to Denise? I don't know. But yeah, well, oh, no. I don't next, know. Next podcast is uh, gonna be an intervention <laughs> of how everyone is gonna call in and say, "Tim, please, just pleading with you to stop." It will hey, not be the first we've intervention we've had for Tim on this yeah, podcast. There been several. <laughs> had had a count. Several. That was one. Had a count. <laughs> Tim, this intervention is about math. It's about math. Well, listen, I use homeschooled math, so. Um, hey. Yeah, I'm also gotcha. guilty of that. Wait, are you a homeschool? Are you homeschooled, Sharon? No comment. Were okay, you? Yes. <laughs> were you homeschooled for real? I was homeschooled for real I, for a part of my life. Yeah, 
dude, that's why we're all so weirdly like friends, right? <laughs> we just, yeah. to, just kind of like congregate together without knowing why. <laughs> oh, how, <laughs> but how we're not you... socially, we're not like socially okay enough to talk about it. So <laughs> yes, <laughs> never figure out why. That's so right. It's almost like coming out of a cult. Like you want to, you want like people to talk about it with, but you're too afraid to say it. Like, <laughs> Don't lie. This is a true story. When I used to work at Apple, um, you, the windows, I worked at, at a store that had, it's a wide open like window um, setting right to the parking lot. So you can see the parking lot easily. No lie. This is true. One day I see a large white, like 15 passenger van pull up and I see a lady get out in a denim skirt with long hair. And I go to my buddy and I'm like, I'm betting this is a homeschool van. They're like, what's a homeschool van? I'm like, little do you know. You're about to find out. Yeah, we're about to find out. I said, I bet there's like seven kids in that van. Six or seven kids come out. All right. My my buddy, he doesn't believe me. He's like, no, no, they're not homeschooled. I'm like, I'm telling you, I can tell that all the girls have denim skirts. All the boys have their hair parted to the side. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, if it doesn't say homeschool, I don't know what does. So they walk into the store, we greet them. So I'm like, I got to find out like how to ask this lady if these kids are homeschooled in like a, you know, a polite way without actually coming out and saying it. So I go over to her. I say, oh, you know, what brings you in? She goes, oh, we're just looking around. So I look, I say, oh, there's no school today? That's right. <laughs> no, they're homeschooled. I'm like, boom, there it is. It was great. It was a great moment. So my homeschool radar is still, it's still working adequately. Mm. Yeah, I was proud of myself for it. <laughs> but I didn't know you were homeschooled, Sharon. That's, that's awesome. I'm surprised that we didn't meet in like a homeschooling group. Well, How- I am from Florida, so. Uh, that's a good point. Do you actually remember the first time we met? um because i do at lighthouse no. oh yeah yes it was and oh, i don't i didn't okay. like you and you didn't like me the feeling was mutual never forget it because <laughs> so for those of you who don't know so sharon is a musician killer player singer songwriter also leads worship and this had to be close to 10 years ago right yes yeah so i'm 20 at the time yeah. Which means I think I'm a, I'm a better musician than I really am. And Sharon, <laughs> I think you're just, were you just starting to lead worship up there at, 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 uh, at Lighthouse? I had just taken that job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was freshly, also, I was also like 21, 22 years old. Right. And I forgot yeah. how I even found out about the gig. I think someone who knew you, maybe it might have been Jeremy Hines who like knew you and knew me, but I don't know. Anyway, so <laughs> I ended up at this church, like, okay, I'm going to play drums for, for this person. And <laughs> way of being like okay like i hear what you're going for but can you just do it like this way and i was just like this was the first time someone ever told me how to play drums and i was just so incensed like who is this person telling me how to play drums like this yeah. way that was my first <laughs> yeah 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 and you know i have to i have to own up to my part in that too um because i was also very particular about what i wanted i i wanted something very specific and i was used to telling people exactly what i wanted and i was used to people doing it like without like without like yes. talking back so and here comes this prideful like drummer probably with, with the mohawk who thinks that he's better than he really is who plays a red sea affair which is really a no one you know but <laughs> something like who's bossing me around but anyway yeah well it's been a long time sharon i'm glad that we've kept no. we've grown a lot tim we have grown a lot i'm proud of us yes the homeschool life <laughs> what's funny about that story is i vaguely remember that happening <laughs> and you talking about it tim me yeah like from like i wasn't even involved but i probably did talk about it yeah, yeah i, I was like I, I this sounds familiar like i've heard this story before <laughs> so sharon how did you, how did you come 
How did you move up from, uh, how did you come up from Florida to New Jersey? What's the story there? Yeah, I, um, so right after I graduated from college, I got uh, a job at a church and I moved up and I stayed. And this is literally 10 years ago that I moved up to New Jersey (laughs) and I just found my tribe. I found like a fit for me in the Northeast, whereas uh, in the South, it just, for some reason, I never really clicked with culture there. Um, and I kind of found a weird little tribe that I, you know, that became my family up here. And here I am. <laughs> and you like it? I mean, you're, you're sold. I mean, I think anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, um, you know, I'm, I'm content with where I'm at right now, I think that, you know, I have, I don't know, I have a a gypsy heart maybe, (laughs) but I think that I get that in bursts and then I travel and then I come back and I'm like, oh, it's nice to have a home. (laughs) Yeah, no, (laughs) for sure, for sure. So you obviously, you grew up Christian in a Christian family at least Mm -hmm. and went to school for worship. Is that what you went to school for, for for worship ministry? Uh, Yeah, well, it was a... theology uh with a concentration in you know music and all that so it was it was mostly um theology and ministry in that sense so and would you describe yourself i mean i see you as like an artist meaning like you kind of live and breathe in that music world not even just covering other worship leaders songs but writing your own songs i feel like from what i know about you the way you're wired is just in more of like the artist kind of brain is that a true statement yeah, absolutely. Um, I I have always, you know, been creative, and I always used to think that um, the artistry was the only thing that I could do to be creative. Um, but then I realized and kind of found my niche in songwriting, and I found that like my artistry, my creativity, could still have a home without me being like the face or like the person. Um, Although I do, you know, I enjoy playing. Um, I I can't say, I can't call myself a performer. (laughs) Um, I think that performing is a vehicle that I use to present my art um, and my, you know, my songwriting. So yeah, I identify um, more as um, a creative in the songwriting sense. Um, Yeah. And I mean, is that how you also, I don't want to, I don't want to oversimplify it, but is that how you would also tend to connect the best with God in, in, in a personal sense with like through music and through the arts or is there, you know, some people, some people really connect through, to him through like the study of scripture, right? Some people connect yeah. to through the sciences, some through nature, yeah. but for you, like what's your bent? That's funny. Um, I usually don't really listen to all right, disclaimer. All right, I hope I don't get fired for this. No, I was kidding. I don't really <laughs> listen to a ton of worship music. I really connect with God through um, like reading like theology, <laughs> like reading theologians and journaling, and of course like scripture. But um, I, I just I find such deep connection and deep. Um, spiritual I don't know um like a freedom in that it sounds 
it's strange, but I find a freedom in being able to worship God, not only with my heart and my soul, but also with my mind. Um, and I think that that has been a missing factor, at least in my early Christianity, um, that I just value a lot. Like I, I try to read at least two books a month and, you know, keep just learning things and just having an open mind and having conversations with people who disagree with me <laughs> frequently. Uh, and I find that that strengthens my faith. Uh, it challenges it. I am constantly <laughs> questioning everything and I'm constantly being challenged. Um, but all to prove that my foundation is secure and the things that need to be shaken loose are and they are for a reason um yeah so i i connect with god in a i mean i so okay this is gonna sound really nerdy this is all right this is nerdier than the marvel thing (laughs) (laughs) i i have found um actually it was recommended to me from a friend i love putting on gregorian chant (laughs) while i while I uh, journal and read and like meditate and everything. And I, I find that that is like, do you know what that is? No. Yeah. Oh. I just described that. Oh, uh, I'd love to. it's like, monks. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> in the 1500s, like that was like their form of worship, like the monks in the Abbey, like they would sing these, um, I don't know. I'm forgetting my, my uh, music history lessons, but anyways, uh, it's basically like, a very simple like they're singing like like old creeds and um it's just very like you can zone out you don't have to listen to the words it's all in latin so it doesn't really matter so (laughs) um but i have found myself and the reason that is comforting for me is because i have found myself very distracted by the theology like i i tend to start thinking about like the the theology of songs instead of like connecting (laughs) so um a lot of times like modern worship sometimes gets um that's a whole nother we could have another whole podcast about that definitely Uh, (laughs) but uh i find it for me to be less distracting to put on like chanting monks and you know just journaling and reading and um yeah that was a really long answer well it's funny it's very interesting you say that though because i like you i live in the music world for church and in general you know we i know that you play out a lot i play out a a good a good amount as well and it's funny you answered the question that way because i find myself in that same boat where Yes, obviously, when I'm leading worship on Sunday, I, I'm clearly worshiping musically. I, I love to drum. You know that. I know you love to play. But the theology, <laughs> the questioning, the thinking through different views, kind of going back and forth, that's where I feel the most engaged spiritually. And I think, I wonder if it's because we are so in that other world, almost as like a job sometimes, that that we are always going to overanalyze how we sound as a musician, how our technique is, how we play. And so being able to not worry about how good you are at something and being able to engage a different part of yourself that isn't normally engaged is kind of like a fresh approach to what can become a very numbing thing over time. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Um, I think that that is exactly it. And, you know, I enjoy, oh, I love worship. I love, you know, the, 
coming together of the saints in the church in, in that corporate worship sense. But my, um, my private worship looks a lot different <laughs> than uh, a corporate worship setting. Um, and I think that's beautiful. I think that's, you know, it's, it's necessary. Um, God designed us the way he did for a reason. And, you know, um, yeah, just to live in that. Well, you mentioned earlier a couple minutes ago that there was like a shift for you where you kind of shifted, I think, I don't know how you said it, but that you started thinking more, I guess, intellectually, you're kind of thinking through things more faith-wise. Like what contributed to that? Uh, college. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I mean, like I said, I've always, you know, grown up in the church and, you know, had a, you know, pretty good understanding of who God was. And then in college, everything has kind of shifted and questioned and, you know, you can't just rely on the God of your childhood. You have to almost like rediscover who God is yeah. in the context of adulthood. Um, and, you know, in college, that was like a very big shift that happened for me. And I was blessed to have so many professors who challenged my way of thinking. Um, and they didn't do it in a, this is right, or this is wrong type of way, but they did it in a, we're presenting multiple different viewpoints. You choose which one you think is right. <laughs> um, so it was very much, you know, open to, um, you know, forming, truly forming your own opinions, thinking critically, uh, and not just shoving information down your throat. Mm -hmm. um, and I had the most profound experiences with God, not in a chapel service, but like in a classroom when we were learning about Isaiah and prophecy and, you know, and it was like, yeah. that was so new for me. I was like, wow, I feel God in this moment. Yes, and there's yes. no music playing. <laughs> right, right, right. So it was, uh, it was a really interesting experience to worship God with my mind. Um, and I loved that. That's where I, I think that's where I started to fall in love with, with God, with my mind. <laughs> mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, obviously life changes, things happen. Do you feel like, especially in light of what we're going to kind of get into that, that was a necessary uh, and really an evidence of God working then to prepare you for what was to come? Oh, yes. You know, this, oh. I guess it's these past couple of years, really. Yeah. Would you oh, mind sharing about absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yes. Um, and it's funny because I didn't even really connect those dots until you just said it. And now I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yes. 100%. Yes. Um, because, you know, going through trauma or grief, uh, there is no, at least for me, there is no emotional connection to God. Like you don't feel with your, you know, goosebumps or whatever. You don't yeah. feel God. So you have to really rely on the truth of who he says he is and who you know him to be. Uh, and so trusting that over for your feelings, because your feelings change. And especially when you're going through um, a serious time of trauma or grief, your feelings and even your body and your mind and your thoughts will all betray you. Everything, everything betrays you. <laughs> uh, so I think, yes, foundationally, 
that that foundation was started then. I mean, I, yeah, absolutely. I see that now. Can you kind of back up for us a little bit and kind of give um, us some insight to kind of what happened these past few years and kind of what, you know, started that process and what that was like for you? Yeah. Um, so originally, uh, my mom was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer 12 years ago now. Um, and, you know, even then, I, so I was actually, it was 13 years ago. Um, and I was just like 15, you know, young. And, uh, you know, that was a really trying time for our family. You know, we thought, you know, she was going to, you know, pass away then. And um, by the grace of God, she was in remission for uh, about 12 years. Uh, yeah, about 11 years. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, oh, okay, phew, like we, we dodged a bullet there, we're good. Um, and then um, three years ago now, time flies, uh, she was re-diagnosed with a more aggressive uh, type of cancer um, that they gave, when they diagnosed her, they gave her three weeks to three months to live. So it was like, no joke, you know, like this is it, like there is no hope of, you know, bouncing back like she did from uh, the breast cancer. Um, but, um, you know, by, again, I, I credit God, by the grace of God, she, um, you know, fought, she did um, chemo, radiation, holistic stuff, like everything under the sun that you could even imagine. And she actually um, lived two years after that diagnosis where they said, all right, like basically start getting ready mm. to die. <laughs> um, and yeah, so she lasted um, two years and then um, it was, it's crazy. It's approaching the year mark. So it's still very fresh. Um, May 30th. So um, that is the day that she passed, but um, it was a whirlwind, like leading up to that. It was, yeah. Um, what, let me ask you this. What was it like getting <clears throat> that? I mean, you know, so you're, you're in New Jersey, your parents are in Florida, you know, your mom had a previous bout with breast cancer, but now you get a phone call. What was it like getting that phone call of just like, Hey, this is what's going on. Yeah. Um, well, your heart just drops into your stomach. Uh, and it's, it's just so shocking because, you know, I think naturally humans are like very hopeful. I think we're wired, um, to expect the best, like even like in spite of like facts or like, you know, things. So I think that while I was shocked and devastated, um, a part of me was like, no, but she'll beat it. Like she'll beat it. Like she did the other time. And, you know, yeah, it's happening to thousands of other people, but it's not going to happen to her. You know, it was kind of like a denial in a sense. Uh, so it was, you know, shock. And then like this almost denial, I don't know, period. 
And so, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't know how you are. I can be very anxious when it comes to family. If there's a problem where my dad had multiple back surgeries, they were just, I couldn't stop thinking about it all the time. Wanted to be there all the time. Wanted to try and fix everything all the time. I got to a point where I realized that I can't fix everything. I'm, I'm just not that powerful. Um, how, do you, how do you deal with that being up here while your family's in Florida? And again, assuming you're somewhat rewired, somewhat similar, you know, with this idea of like, well, I can fix, you know, I start Googling like remedies for my dad's back pain, you know, like, what do yeah. you do with, with that kind of stuff? And how did you handle it? Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's the short answer. Um, but I, I actually started getting like really into fitness at that point. <laughs> um, fitness and exercise was like a way for me to shut off my brain honestly because nothing else would do it like like you said i couldn't stop thinking about it i couldn't stop you know going down that rabbit trail if what if this and then what if that and then that means this and then that means yeah. that you know mm -hmm. and it's hard to shut off those thoughts unless like you're doing something and i was not like an athletic person, like by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but um, like, like I said, like three years ago, it was, that was when something clicked in my brain. I think it's a survival instinct it must be that your body says, okay, like we're going to do everything that we can to help you get through this. And I, you know, I, yes, like God was, was there with me, but I think that God meets our needs in very practical ways, you know, like he brought in this interest of, you know, it was CrossFit for me. Like it was like a high intensity, you know, like you didn't really have time to think about anything about just, just surviving the workout or, you know, whatever you were doing. Um, and at that time that was so life-giving to me because I was finally able to stop my thoughts and just, you know, for an hour, just be not in my head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thoughts can be very, I can only imagine, you know, can be extremely crippling. Like you said earlier, the what ifs and the one thing after another, I mean, especially, and I, I don't know if this is true about you, but you know, someone who, if you deal with anxiety in the past, and this can really be a huge trigger for really bringing up like major anxieties, which really cloud how you think, especially your view of God. I mean, you had to have thoughts about like, I mean, God, I've been taught that you're good my whole life, but like, what the heck is going on? This is, there's nothing good about the situation. What did you do with those thoughts? Yeah. Um, well, luckily I have been in counseling for like 10 years. <laughs> um, and luckily I, um, I had a wonderful, <laughs> bless her, a wonderful counselor who walked with that through me, like walked with, uh, with those questions, like with me. Um, and it was very freeing to just be able to voice those. Like, I think a lot of times in Christian culture, we're afraid to voice doubt and we feel guilty about it. But what I learned is that that is necessary to overcoming that like and overcoming like not in like a spiritual way like oh now i don't have any more doubt um but right. like but voicing that and being honest i think that's the most important thing is just being honest with how you're feeling and with you know my counselor like she gave me permission 
to feel however I felt. Mm. Like if I want, if I felt angry, I could feel angry. If I felt, you know, skeptical or cynical or doubtful or lost or like anything, like any negative emotion. Um, and I think before I had suppressed that a lot, like growing up in the, in the church and, mm. and was kind of modeled that, you know, that, you know, you only talk about how God is good <laughs> and you only, you know, uh, sing about victory and, you know, like, Breakthrough. The, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that's just not reality. And I don't think that the God that we serve can handle our doubt. The God that we serve can handle our anger. That doesn't intimidate him. You know, and I think that we've constructed a God who is very uh, human and in our image and fragile, because if he were human, he would, he would be wrecked by the, why are you questioning me? Like, how dare you? Like, mm. the thing is, he's not. Thank God. Thank him. <laughs> thank God he is not human and that he can handle all of our human emotions and he doesn't condemn us for those um that thought and that idea was so life-giving to me that i didn't have to feel guilty about feeling any sort of way and just that was that was freeing so that was about three years ago and so we fast forward now year after year obviously things your mom's health is deteriorating at this point mm -hmm. you know and to the point where it gets close to where it's getting close to really the last couple moments with her, you know? Mm -hmm. So I know that you went back, you went back down to Florida to be with your family. Right. Um, and when all that happened, right. So, you know, you, you're there, it's gotta be extremely difficult to be around that situation, seeing everything happen, you know, what's going through your mind on like a theological level, I guess. I mean, I'm sure emotionally there's a lot of thoughts. I'm sure there's a lot of feelings of sadness and a, a whole different world of things, but like what's going through your head in these moments? How do you, how do you deal with them? Because frankly, if I'm being honest, one of the days that I dread the, mo the most is one of my parents passing away. I mean, I know it's inevitable, you know, but I, it's going to happen, but I, would, I wouldn't even know where to start handling something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, man, to be completely honest, I think um, I'm still trying to remember because I think what your body does in order to protect itself, it almost like, I remember, but it's like in a very, um, like I, I've had to work hard to remember. Um, and I've, because at first, like I, it was just all a blur. You know, yeah. I was, I was existing. <laughs> I was, I was, you know, going through the motions and, um, yeah. So the couple of weeks before she passed, um, well, I didn't know that it was the last two weeks, you know, I knew that like her health had taken a turn for the worse and I needed to be down there. Um, but as soon as I got down there, it was like everything like started spiraling downward very quickly. Uh, so I didn't know that I was going down there for the last two weeks of her life and the last, you know, really the last 10 days, um, because like the first three days I actually had like three or four days I had her coherently. And then after that, it was just a, 
uh, really steep decline. Um, And I think in those moments, I, (laughs) I wasn't seeking God. I wasn't sitting down and, and praying and I wasn't sitting down and reading my Bible, but I felt God so closely. Um, I felt him near in every moment. Like every time we would go, you know, into the hospital and every time, you know, we would leave the hospital, like, um, like I felt his presence everywhere so closely, like a, like a, like a fog, like a, like a, I don't know, it was something that like never left. And he proved in those moments that he is like a God of his promise because he promises to be near the, the brokenhearted. And I experienced that. Um, and it wasn't me, you know, it wasn't me drawing near to God because I, I didn't have the strength to do that. Um, that was all him proving that he is a God of his promise and he is uh, near to the brokenhearted. Um, and that had nothing to do with me. Do you feel like, um, I guess it's, I am interested to hear, you know, about different people's experiences. Um, Tim knows it, and most people know that uh, my dad passed away when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a very different circumstance than that, uh, than what you experienced, because it was very sudden. Um, it was, uh, he had like a massive heart attack and, you know, was within moments and um, that kind of thing. And then later on in life, um, my wife, Stacia, lost her mom, some more similar circumstance to yours where she had cancer and it was kind of a longer process. And I've always just had this thought about like the difference in those experiences. And you really, it's really, you really can't say one is like, better or worse than the other because i mean they both suck and they're both Mm -hmm. terrible um but do you feel like you were you were thankful for that kind of that time that you had um leading up to that whether it was you know more time to spend with your mom obviously but versus you know obviously there's there's hard there's uh sucky stuff that comes with that too of just like the anticipation and the anxiety and and things like that too Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah Um, definitely. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that. I did not know that. So, um, (laughs) but, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to really, I see what you're asking. Like, it's hard to compare. Like, Mm. I think the common thread in both of those circumstances, whether it's a sudden death or an anticipation of, of death, um, the common thread is like, we both wish we had more time. Mm. Like it's never enough, you know, like in any situation you're, you don't, someone passes, you don't say, Oh yeah, that was, that was Mm. enough time. That was enough time with them. No, like you're always like, I didn't have enough time. Like I didn't say everything I wanted to say. I didn't do everything I wanted to do with them. I didn't experience this or that with them or they'll never see me do this or I'll never see them do that. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's both have their things. I mean, with a, a longer process and, and I mean, 
it wasn't even as long as it could have been. Um, it's like I said earlier, I think we're all designed to be very hopeful. Um, so even though I knew, like, I don't know, it was, it was almost as if one part of my brain knew it was coming. And then the other part was like, no, no, it can't, no, it can't possibly happen like that. That, that can't be my story. You know, that can't be my mom. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was definitely a very uh, challenging time. Um, but the thing that I found the most comfort in was that I didn't have to, um, I, you know, I didn't necessarily have to seek God for him to be near. I think yeah. that he met me where I was um, because he knew where my heart was. And I think in that vulnerable place uh, is the place that he is able to meet us. You know, I think it would have been different if I was just like trying to pull myself by my bootstraps and be like, mm -hmm. no, like I got this. I'm super tough and super strong. And <laughs> uh, I think that we push God out when we try to do that or at least put on that front um and you know he he's just looking for space you know and as long as we give him that space to say god i have no idea how i'm going to get through this or you know i think that is what he is like he's like okay you know i can come in you know and truly prove like i am um like a God of my promise, you know? Um, yeah. Sometimes I feel that we in modern church culture um, tend to focus a lot on the victory aspect and the happiness aspect and the pushing through aspect and the um, just that, um, idea that hey death has been conquered like there's a greater things to come the expectation which i think is a really healthy part of the life of a believer um however i think that in that zeal we often overlook the very real and inevitable part of life which is loss um and grief and sorrow and i think when we don't uh give that side of life, it's proper respect. Um, when it hits the Christian who's grown up in an environment of like that always happiness, you know, high energy feeling, you don't know what to do with this whole other, I call it the shadow side of life, this other side that you never re were really prepped for, um, yeah. you know, theologically speaking, because your view of God is that he's good and good means that he doesn't give me pain and that he doesn't allow pain in my life and that he makes me feel good and that I can trust him. But now I feel like the thing that was most precious to me is gone. Mm -hmm. And what do I do with this? I mean, have you found that as when you're coming out of this and you're grieving and you're attending church, are, are you wrestling with this stuff or was the church you're going to very kind of, did they prep you for this? How, how does that work? <laughs> I don't think anyone <laughs> anywhere can prep you for anything. Right. Yes. Uh, Good point. But, um, you know, in the months after her death. I stayed down in Florida with my dad. Um, 
and you know it so it wasn't like my home church um but like you know i I don't know. It was, it was such a blur, Tim. I can't even, <laughs> it was such a blur. I, I kind of was just exi- like every day was like a victory to get out of bed, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like that was like a big deal. Um, but, you know, going back to what you said about like giving things its proper respect and time, like that is biblical, <laughs> like yeah. Ecclesiastes, like there is a time you know, there's a to mourn, there's a time to weep, there's a time to rejoice, there's a time, there is, there are seasons for a reason, like, it's not just summer all the time, right, it's not, you know, one season, Um, and yeah, I, well, um, I think, I think what can happen in those moments is that if, like you said earlier, you, you were thankful to have a great counselor in your life who lets you know that it's okay to express other emotions than happiness and trust to God. And mm-hmm. I think maybe that's kind of where I'm getting at is I think that sometimes believers might feel guilty for feeling like, God, where are you? Or God, I'm kind of angry at you right now. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't trust you right now. And then you feel almost like a bad Christian because you've been kind of taught that a good Christian doesn't mm-hmm. ever doubt. And a good Christian always perseveres. And a good Christian mm-hmm. always looks forward to the expectation yeah. that is to come. So yeah. maybe that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think luckily, um, you know, like, like we talked about earlier, like the foundation in my heart was laid that I knew that I could be open and honest and vulnerable with God. And he, that didn't, you know, that didn't make him shy away, like, you know, or pull away like it would a human. Um, And luckily when I did come back, you know, to New Jersey, like I was surrounded with so many loving, caring people who gave me that same permission to be completely human. And there weren't any bad feelings. They were just feelings, you know, like feelings can't really be good or bad. They're just, they are what they are. Um, so I think foundationally, I, I am very fortunate to say that I didn't necessarily feel like I, I didn't feel guilty for feeling depressed or I didn't feel guilty for, you know, um, questioning. And, you know, I was very distant from God for months. Like afterwards, I just couldn't, I couldn't draw near. It was like to, um, you know, at that stage, like all your walls go up, you know, mm-hmm. like you're not really able to open up your heart because you're just in self-protective mode. Like you're trying to protect yourself from anything that would try to hurt it. And even though I know, you know, in my head that God isn't trying to hurt me, like it's just, it was very hard to open myself up to that again. You know, it took, it took some months of, you know, just, being at a distance when you came back up to jersey um how did your tribe as you call them how did they help you um with the ongoing process of healing i don't know if you'll ever be fully healed right from what happened at least in this life obviously anytime soon but i think that and i think we, we would agree that community at this point is like this is where rubber meets the road for real right like yeah. someone in your tribe has this trauma. In fact, I remember Jordan when um, 
Sasha's mom passed away, you know, and she mm-hmm. just came over to Jerry's house and we just sat there. I mean, we couldn't do anything else. There was yeah. no words. There, were, I don't even think. Were you guys dating then? I don't even know. We were. Yeah. Yeah. You just started, and yeah, we were I just talking know. about that the other day, actually. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if. I mean, there. Were, we just sat in silence. Like there was just nothing to say, besides just being there. You know, and, and that's yeah. what we knew. Like all we can do is just be there as physical bodies to this person. So, you know, for, for you, Sharon, like how did your tribe help you through this process? Yeah, um, exactly that. Um, I think the biggest, the biggest thing was just being with someone, you know, was just having someone to be there while you just ball your eyes out. <laughs> Cause I, uh, I'm a crier <laughs> and when when I get started, I, it's just going to be like a two hour, three hour process of just literally just, and, and, you know, letting, and really like allowing myself, like, cause I, you know, often suppress, like, I feel, I feel bad, like in my previous, you know, mindset, I would feel bad for crying like that in front of someone. I'm like, oh, that's so embarrassing. What are they going to do to sit there and watch me cry? You know, <laughs> but having, but having built the trust, you know, with these people to like, allow myself to do that, um, was a lot like that was, that was a lot. And the fact that, you know, they didn't try to, I mean, well, some of them like (laughs) didn't try to like cheer me or cheer me up or, you know, I don't know, say some like scripture verse or pray it away. (laughs) Luckily, nothing like that uh, happened um, because I might've put my hand through a wall. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that CrossFit, you're all buff now, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess with me. So they were pretty instrumental. I mean, I, I think that again, community becomes the hand, the hands and feet of Jesus to people. Right. Oh, so yeah, like, absolutely. like it, it's a very tangible way to see um, a non-tangible Jesus working uh, in your life uh, and helping you th- through that healing process. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just physically, just, I mean, I had, I had, you know, a friend multiple times say like when I was having a rough day or a rough night, like, all right, I'll be there in 10 minutes. <laughs> like literally, and just showed up at my door and just, you know, just was there. And I, I can't even put words to say like how grateful I am for her, you know, do, just doing, just dropping it, everything and just saying, okay, I need to go and be with my friend, you know? Um, and people, I think genuinely, asking how I was like was you know was a way that you know because we always like throw that word around oh how are you you know but like when people would stop and be intentional like hey like how are you (laughs) um I think that was really helpful and for me I my immediately like my my immediate knee-jerk reaction is oh I'm good Mm -hmm. but then the friends that come around for a second one and be like, no, but like, how are you, <laughs> you know, yeah. like level with me? Like, how is your heart? Like, how are you processing? But, you know, like that, that wouldn't just leave it at a surface. How are you? You know, that they would totally. kind of dig a little deeper and, you know, help me open up because it's not something that you just 
start spilling your guts on like whenever someone asks how are you oh well actually <laughs> you know it doesn't really work like that so <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you kind of hinted a little bit that, you know, most of the people in your life were very helpful, but maybe some unintentionally were not so helpful at times. Um, are there, you know, what are some best practices to help or just to be there for someone in a state of grieving? And maybe what are some ways to be helpful by not doing certain things, <laughs> things to avoid <laughs> yeah like how to yeah, shut your mouth or any ideas that would help people who maybe have someone going through something very traumatic yeah um well i would say you know number one like i just said really ask and when you ask be ready for an honest answer like when you ask don't expect it to just be like you just you just asked and you really want to know then like expect an honest answer because if the person that you love and that you're inquiring about actually trusts you enough to tell you what they're what they're feeling um then you need to like listen like listen to them and be ready to hear whatever they have to say um and don't um or i guess i would phrase it in a different way i would say validate their feelings whatever it is anger like betrayal whatever it is like validate them because feelings are exactly that they're just their feelings and they they're not um they're not they're, they're not objective um so they're not wrong or right but you know i would say uh listen like be ready to like hear them out validate um, their feelings um, I would say and this was maybe just a me thing don't try to cheer them up <laughs> I would get very annoyed when someone would say oh but look at the bright side that mm. that that like <laughs> uh, oh but she's in heaven so right it's fine <laughs> that oh made me so just angry just very annoyed um and and these are people that truly cared about me and right. i had to have some really hard awkward conversations and be like hey listen don't do that <laughs> <laughs> um so you know don't try you know like let them feel how they're feeling and you know, and try to feel that with, with them, like, um, you know, like that, I think that says a lot. And then, you know, and I know that no one would do this. I'm saying that on purpose. Uh, no one <laughs> would possibly try to like pray away any kind of sadness mm. or grief or depression. <laughs> that would just be reckless. Um, because that's not how, you know, that's not how it works. Um, one of the scriptures that I love and one of the stories I love is um, Elijah when he's running from, uh, I think King Ahab, I might be totally butchering the story, but uh, when he's running from King Ahab for his life and he goes and he rests like underneath uh, a or God tells him to like go and like rest um, and it kind of like alludes that he's like depressed you know and God says 
you know, go take a rest underneath that tree. And then when he wakes up, there's like a meal waiting for him sent by like ravens and there's like food, like just there's food ready for him. And I love that because, you know, in our time of need, God doesn't say, oh, well, maybe if you like read your Bible once in a while, (laughs) maybe I would, you know, or maybe if you prayed a little harder, like he says, no, like go take a nap and go eat some food and and you're going to be fine. (laughs) You know, like meeting practical needs, um, I think for your friends um, is a huge thing. So like, make sure that they're eating like, Hey, because sometimes you just, you did lose your appetite and you're just like, ah, nothing seems good, (laughs) you know, and you have to like convince yourself like, Oh, I need to eat or I might pass out, (laughs) you know, like ask your friends, like, Hey, have you, have you eaten today? Like, can I pick you up some food? Like people, you know, in my life would just like show up with, you know, food and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I forgot. (laughs) Sometimes, well, Um, we we tend to, like you said, I'm guilty of this myself. We tend to take um, spiritual solutions to very physical and you know, like mental problems. Sometimes, where we just tell people, well, if you just pray, you know, like like you said, well, have you read your Bible? It's like, okay, I don't need that. I need a bagel, you know, like (laughs) I don't need a Bible right now. I grew up in this stuff. more piece of scripture is it going to change my circumstance and that's not saying that that that, that god doesn't speak through the bible of course he does right i'm just saying that my need is not more text right <laughs> a hug or i need a friend or i just yeah. need one thing or i need food and yeah. i think you're right like um sometimes we can just default to what we would call a spiritual thing like prayer or bible reading or i'll pray for you as being like the mm-hmm. answer and there are many times where we're our bodies are more than just spiritual. There's a physical yeah. side to us and a mental side that also need to be taken care of. Yeah. And that's okay. And God, and that's an equal, equally spiritual thing of taking care of someone. It's healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And, you know, neglecting any one of those areas um, will put you at a very imbalanced um, way of living. You know, I think that Jesus was a perfect example of like, living in balance in all of those um, areas, you know, like he knew when it was time to be alone. (laughs) And then he knew when it was time to, you know, go out and be with people. And he knew when to rest and he knew when to work. And I, I just love that. I love that he was a perfect model that he wasn't like going, going, going all the time. Like we imagine a, uh, American society that, that never stops. Uh, but Jesus took time to rest and to be alone um, and how healthy that is for all of us, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, like everyone needs alone time to varying degrees. Um, and Jesus set that example for us to follow. 100%. So last question I wanted to ask you, and then Jordan, if you have anything. So where are you now? I mean, where do you, you know, it's, it's coming up on the year mark. Obviously, I'm sure this past year has still been a whirlwind. I'm sure you have your good days and your, your not so good days, so to speak. Um, where do you find yourself now? I know that you lead worship um, at, at a local church. 
you know, and, and on Sundays you kind of have to be on, so to speak. <laughs> you find that to be more yeah. natural now or still days <laughs> you kind of have to fight through it. I mean, how does that work for you? Wow. So it was really hard coming back. Um, yeah. So like I said, I'm a part of a local church here in New Jersey, uh, Kingsway. And uh, I was so fortunate to um, basically have them say, hey, listen, go be with your family, you know, and we'll be here when you get back, <laughs> essentially. So whenever I was ready to come back, you know, I came back and, you know, you never necessarily feel ready, you know, quote unquote. Um, but there's a time where you're like, all right, I have to make some normal choices in my life again. Like I have to get some normalcy, some routine back. Um, and it was hard. I'd be lying if I said it was really like just a breeze coming back. Like I enjoyed being back with my church family and everything, but you know, um, Sunday mornings and, and leading worship, it was really, it was hard leading up to it. But then in those times of worship, um, I felt like God was ministering to me. <laughs> like I, I didn't necessarily feel like a worship leader in a traditional sense. Like I'm sure I was leading people into worship, but I feel like God was really just loving on me in those moments. Um, and then, you know, there were still moments where five till five minutes till service and I'm having a legit anxiety attack. Mm -hmm. And I tell my team members, I say, Hey guys, I am not okay. I need you to pray for me right now. <laughs> and, you know, without skipping a beat, they're like, they just, I, cause I, I literally, I, I don't know I mean, it was, it was a panic attack. It was an anxiety attack. And I, and it was like five minutes till we're going to be on stage and singing. And I was like, <laughs> I am not okay, everyone. Right. You, you have to go from a panic attack to good morning, church. Great to see you. So happy to be here. You know, in about 30 seconds. So and, I feel like uh, that goes back so much to that, what you're saying about like the church culture and just how we view these things and like, it, it should do you think that should be the expectation from a church body that like you get up there and everything is like just joy and uh you know happy go lucky i remember we were talking to to paul a couple weeks ago when we were talking about lent and just kind of yes. like it's okay to be in this season like as a community as a church to be in this to recognize you know the 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 dark side of things if you will and you know the grief and the the sorrow um yeah i guess it's just like you know is there a place for that even on like on the stage on sunday mornings <laughs> right. kind of express yeah. that yeah right that, that's a that's a really great question i i would say absolutely 100 percent yes that there is there or uh, not there is there needs to be, <laughs> should be yeah <laughs> there should be room for that um it's really tricky. I, I think mm -hmm. that um, there is a fine, there is a balance to be had um, because obviously, you know, like when people, when we fast, we don't put on sackcloth and mm -hmm. mourn and go around and tooting on our horns. Like, look, look how, you know, 
Well, that's what I do, guys. I'm not sure about you, but <laughs> I have sackcloth in my closet ready to roll. Oh, classic. Notice. Classic sackcloth. Oh, <laughs> it looks like Tim's fasting again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no, no. I do want to get back to that question because I think that's a great question. Um, I think specifically in my context, at least, there wasn't like a uh, an expectation to be hey everybody like on on Mm -hmm. um and i think that's more something that i felt like i had to be or to do and it's not like us as a church we're not like and people all hyped up anyway so right (laughs) luckily but i think that i you know i think that we as a you know modern evangelical church can get really caught up in that uh you know, everything has to appear to be great and sunshine and rainbows. But mm-hmm. I think that we do need to allow uh, people, ourselves, <laughs> the general public, um, mm-hmm. you know, that space to mourn and to grieve and to, you know, like like Tim was saying, I, I didn't listen to the, the other podcast when you're talking about Lent, but, um, you know, that is the whole purpose of, you know, that time is that in winter, you know, there is no growth, there is no, or at least no growth happening on the surface, (laughs) you know, things Mm -hmm. are lying dormant. Um, But that gives way for spring, you know, and that gives way for new life. Um, And that's, you know, such a brilliant analogy that Christ used, you know, when he was, you know, going to, be dead and and buried and raise again and like you know the seasons just always speak to me in that way of you know uh it's okay to have a you know a dark a darkness uh because guess what like darkness mm. is as light to him <laughs> like there is yeah. there is nothing that he cannot see through or see in uh so it's not uh like again again he can handle it. He can handle the darkness. Um, but I think that we're afraid of God in the darkness because <laughs> we're only used to him being like living on the mountaintops. And, um, but I, I think that the God that we serve isn't exclusively on the mountaintops or exclusively in the light that he is everywhere. He's on, he's omnipresent, you know? Yeah. We also tend to, I think, like, uh, we also tend not to like the uncertainty of those dark moments and oh, yeah. where you're going to land when you're off the cliff in free fall land, you know, like where, where we're going to end up. It's, it's just scary. So, um, yeah, it's yeah, a good point. Yeah. I like that whole, um, the idea of you know, Lent being followed by Easter and that idea of, you know, this morning is followed by celebration. Um, and it reminds, it reminds me of that verse that says, uh, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Right. Um, and it's not saying that we don't grieve, you know, he's recognized in that verse, I think yeah. he's recognizing we do grieve. Um, but we grieve with the perspective of a coming hope. Right. Um, and I think it's, it's so important to have that, that balance. And obviously that doesn't always make its way into how we're feeling <laughs> on yeah. a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like you're saying, I think what you were saying just about, feelings being you know this surface thing and um and they can change and they can 
you know, they're not right or wrong. I think that's so important too. Um, but just like that deep down, you know, recognizing it's, yeah, we're in this, um, but to know what's coming too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I love, I love the whole church calendar. I think it makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. <laughs> it does. In fact, um, <laughs> Dr. Paul now, he just got his PhD today. Yeah. Um, oh, so congratulations, Paul. Yeah, we're, we're, we know someone who's pretty smart. We don't want to write about <laughs> it. But, uh, but he, did, he did shift my perspective on, um, on Good Friday because he talks a lot about how Good Friday is really a time of mourning because yeah. the disciples were mourning. I mean, Christ was yeah. dead. They had no hope. And they we didn't did, know. They didn't know the end. Right. Story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we tend to be like, well, it's Good Friday. I mean, we know it's coming on Sunday. Ha, ha, ha. But it's like, well, no. We <laughs> that is exactly our response. <laughs> well, I mean, guys. I'm, I love, I'm, I'm laughing because it's true. That's word for word. I mean, that, that's how my pastor described it. He literally said, ha, ha, ha. But uh, no. But, you know. <laughs> but that's what we do. You know, we say, well, Good Friday is about the death. But we all know on Sunday, Christ rises again yeah. instead of being okay. glossing over it. Yeah, instead of being okay to be yeah. uncomfortable and say, let's actually sit in what the disciples were sitting in, which is no hope. I mean, yeah. none. Their savior guy who in their mind was going to overthrow Rome just got destroyed by the machine, the war machine of Rome. The opposite thing happened. So um, I, I say all that just to kind of tie it together, like what you're saying, Sharon and Jordan, that, that sometimes when really – um sad times happen we want to fight them and get back to being as happy as possible as soon as possible mm-hmm. instead of, instead of letting ourselves sit in that and just mm-hmm. accept it and just understand that it's okay to sit and to feel these these feelings because yeah. that's what makes us human are these responses right. and that like you said Sharon that God is way big enough and way powerful enough um to handle these responses that of things that we don't understand um and he doesn't condemn us for them he actually does the opposite he comforts us in them i think about when um in scripture when lazarus dies and jesus is like he's wailing he's angry he's pissed off like he's 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 all the emotions that you described you know he's sad he's angry he's ticked um you know he hates death as well you know death is the enemy of god it says in corinthians that that god's enemy is death and that's why god came to send Jesus was to conquer it. Um, so God takes no pleasure in death. That is the ultimate um, enemy of what God created to be good. Um, so it's okay to, to sit in those moments and to feel those things because like Jordan said, we can deep down, even beyond the emotion, beyond the, the thoughts, beyond when our own minds betray us, we can try and find this glimmer of hope that one day God will reconcile all things one day God will restore all things, you know, and that one day we will be together again with people that we miss on this earth. And even though that doesn't always help us in the moments of grief, it's still something that keeps us pressing outward, which I think is so important. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. I'm glad we agree. <laughs> what if Sharon's like, actually, Tim, that was terrible. I could more. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but Sharon, listen, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. I appreciate you being uh, open, honest with us and just being able to be vulnerable. I mean, it takes a lot to be able to express those things. I know that they're not easy for anyone to do, um, especially um, in light of more recent events for you in particular. So thank yeah. you for coming on. 
Well, thank you guys for having me and for giving me a voice to potentially help others going through going through the thing. So it's yeah. uh, it's definitely a journey, and I'm again I'm very early on in it, um, but I have found comfort in God's nearness and in His grace. So yeah. Well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, do us a favor if you would uh, be so kind to give us a rating on iTunes and leave a comment. It always helps us out. Um, if you like this episode, feel free to share it. Um, and we will see you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Coffee Theology in Jesus podcast. You can always drop us a line on Facebook or through our email, podcast at coffeetheologyandjesus.com, as we love to hear from our listeners. Until next time, drink coffee, discuss theology, and love Jesus.